Mr. Walsh. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm here. <sighs> Let's try this again, shall we? Name? Joe. Walsh. Nationality? Irish. Place of birth? London. Occupation? Unemployed. Married? <laughs> no. And how did you come to know the woman in question? We met at the place I used to work. Would you like to elaborate? Not really. You do know why you're here, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you elaborate, please? Fine. Well, she was a customer. Yes. We met four or five years ago. We met four or five years ago. It was one of those midweek nighttime shifts where there's literally nothing to do except listen to the thoughts going on in your head, you know? All I remember is I was reading The Sailor Who Fell From Grace with the Sea. Do you know it? Yukio Mishima? No? Oh, it doesn't really matter. The only reason I even remember was because I felt just as lonely as that sailor in the book. I never really had a life on land. Even the hotel, for some inexplicable reason, had this nautical theme throughout. It was, it was ridiculous. As well, the bar itself was underground in a quiet part of the city. I mean, you couldn't find a more detached place to work in London if you tried so yeah I saw myself as literally that sailor in the book the only difference being that he at least had the real sea to brood on all I had was some cheap souvenirs of the sea to aid my heavy little heart well that and the occasional nip of wine I'd have just to you know like keep the hairs on my chest Anyway, the night we met was like that. The bar was dead, forgotten. It was a cold, lonesome, rainy night. And that was how I met her. In the midst of some lonely reverie about a life. Anywhere other than that stupid fucking bar. It was like 8 o'clock when she burst into my life. She was cold and wet and flustered and forlorn and pissed off. Her wet black hair just kept sticking to the ridges of her brow. She had to keep blowing it and brushing it away. She was just after lugging her suitcase through the rain only to find that her room wasn't even ready yet. She was sore, all right. Just the sight of her gave me that fearful feeling when it feels like your heart is suspended on ice, you know? The kind of fear that only happens in either you've done something terrible that you 
that you can't undo when you see a pretty girl for the first time. So did you do something terrible that you can't undo? <sighs> Good one. But no. She was very pretty. I was a barman. I spoke to people every day, but for her, I actually had to make some sort of an effort. Hello. What can I get you? She told me she wanted to sit down first. And in some faraway place in my brain, I was desperate for her to sit down somewhere in front of the bar. You know, I wanted her to see me reading. I think I was some respectable citizen deem me worthy of her time. But she didn't. She took a seat in the most secluded corner of the bar. No one could see her. Not even the security cameras. <laughs> All I could see was her tortured red suitcase. I remember thinking to myself, you know, like, in, the, in the most sincere way possible, that that was what love was. Like, there I was, greedily devouring every inch of it for any detail, any hint of who its owner could be. Like, had she taken care of the suitcase? Did it take care of her? What was in it? What was in her? For, <laughs> for a brief time, I actually wanted to be the suitcase. I looked at the little scuffs and rips all over the thing and my heart just broke in the general desperation of it all. I mean, I was already planning my entire life with just her suitcase. When I think of it now, it's just all very embarrassing. But anyway, eventually she came back to me, to the bar, and she ordered red wine with ice, which I thought was an awful mix. You're not going to put that ice in the wine, are you? Do you have a problem with that? No, no, not really. It's just, it's just not how I would have drank it. Well, I didn't ask you, did I? I mean, you kind of did, actually. I suppose I did. Just like that, she smiled at me. I, I couldn't believe it. And she stayed at the bar for the next two hours after that. We barely spoke, but it was... Wonderful. What did you scribble all over your book like a child for? Oh, you see, I do that so... Please! Continue with the story. You don't need to include every little detail. Okay, fine, fine. It's funny, though. I never even thought to ask her where she'd come from or where she was going. I was so grateful she was there then. I just didn't have the head to think about anything else. What time did you finish? Shortly thereafter, she said goodnight. I told her it was nice to meet her and she should get some rest. Uh, I'm not sure. 11? 12? Depends if anyone else shows up, really. Okay. Well, have fun. I'll certainly try. After she left, it was just me again all alone with the echoes of the rain, like it usually was during the week, but something had changed. The empty space was no longer void or desolate. Somehow I saw like potential in the space all around me. I wasn't hopeless, you see, I was waiting. 
It was like we shared some weird, sorrowful understanding. It was like... Please, stay on topic, Mr. Walsh. I know you know what I want to hear. (sighs) Well, what am I supposed to say? There's so much more to the story than just what you want to hear. Anyway, so the night passed fine. The night stayed dead as ever. Once I had the place closed, it was only 11.25, which was a nice early finish for me. So I headed to the bus stop. It was still raining, so I had to wrap up real tight, and as I was starting on my hood, I was sure I heard something. So I turned around. But nobody was there. I was looking all around, everywhere, trying to find the source of such a celestial call. And there it was. It was her. Where are you going? I... I don't know. Of course, I knew I was heading home, but at that moment, it seemed like such an embarrassing thing to admit, as if going home would be something to be ashamed of. So she came down, she was running on her tiptoes, and the girl that came down was a completely different character to the girl I met in the bar. She was smiling and she hugged me, like real tight like, I was astonished. I had that feeling, you know, where all the blood in your body rushes to your face, you know? You can feel it all around your cheeks and your jaw, behind your forehead, and you sort of want to cry just to release it all, you know? It just seemed like all the buried sorrow of my life was exposed once again and all at once at the very moment she wrapped her arms around my neck she saw it and she didn't berate me for it didn't laugh at me pity me she just knew who i was without having a clue you know yeah so after that we walked to the shop to fetch some wine and I tell you, those were the first steps I ever took in my whole entire life that actually felt like the steps of a man that belonged. Peculiar feeling. Well, we got the wine and she took me back to her room. We both had a few swigs, but in the end, we weren't really interested in the wine at all. It was just there. I mean, all I could think about was how every single part of me wanted to jump on her, feed on her like some sort of wild animal. I wanted to make some literary leap of the heart and prove that once and for all, that despite all of the evidence that the weak do become heroes, eventually, I wanted it to be mine and embrace me. I had all of these fantasies in my head while I sat awkwardly still next to her, exulting in the fact that our thighs were touching. That was all, barely touching. But as she looked at me, looked at my lips, my hands, my hair, my neck, her face, reminded me of every face I ever saw in my life. Kind eyes, cruel lips, expectant gleam. Gorgeous. She had a ripped up little book of plath poems. She grabbed it from her desk and threw it at me. Then she went into the duvet and closed her eyes. What am I supposed to do with this? Read it. (laughs) As you wish. 
smoldered as if stone dead, blindfold, his body beached with the sea's garbage, a machine to breathe and beat forever. You know, when I died, I wanted to be glorious, like Mishima, you know? He killed himself, seppuku, but he wasn't, he wasn't miserable, he wasn't desperate, he was proud. Like, he planned it for months, he did it for goodness, to, to do the right thing. He gave up his life for something greater. He wrote his death haiku and, shing, that was it. Oh, man. then he was beheaded, but that doesn't really matter. Why do boys always want some sort of glorious death? A death is a death. Decay is decay. I'd prefer to die like Sylvia, when I decide that I've seen enough and no longer wish to see more. Not because I was told to by some idiotic moral code. How's about you live a glorious life, then you can worry about glorious death? I loved her already. Now, be a good boy and continue reading. I mean... It was as simple as that. I was lost to sea and she found me. The land had taken me in with open arms. I joined her under the covers. Still stiff and awkward, but I continued to read to her. We were both fully clothed, but my heart was stumping again as if she were naked, as if she was pure as porcelain, a Greek statue. Uh. A seed, yeah, seed. Timidly, you know, I tried to move my leg over just so it would touch hers again. Even just a little bit, you know. She didn't object. So I read to her as softly and as knowingly as I could. And at some point I lulled her to sleep. I wasn't sure when, but then I didn't know what else to do. So I just kept reading. I knew I wouldn't sleep. My pulse was too quick and my breaths were too short. I couldn't even look at her. Not for too long anyway, because... Each time I did, an enormous guilt came over me. I was a sullied beast with the dirty, crooked hands of a scoundrel. And she appeared so lovely and innocent, like way too good for me, and I didn't deserve her. And to justify all of this, I came to the conclusion that I was hers. She owned me. That was it. Anything that happened to me was up to her. My fate, her choice. I didn't care if she wanted to whip me in the streets for my sins or cut my veins open just to see me bleed. I didn't care. I was hers and nothing more. After about an hour of that, she woke up. I was terrified. I pretended I was already sleeping as she got up and went to the toilet. And as she came back, I watched her as the dark outline of her body floated in the darkness. My heart again was thick and loud she didn't say anything didn't even look at me but when she got back into the bed she grabbed my arm with both of her hands almost violently and she cuddled it rested her head on it and went back to sleep the fear in my heart was gone we were together and I fell asleep with glory in my heart yeah since that night, we saw each other every day for like the next six months. 
She was staying in the hotel the whole time. And you never thought to ask her what she was doing there? Like I said, I was so grateful she was with me at all that I didn't think to ask her. I didn't even care. Although, I did find out that she had just come fleeing from the arms of her husband. That poor bastard. Anyway, if I can get back to my story, her hair, her black hair dripped deliciously from her beautiful round head like... Look, I've been patient and nice to you, yeah? But I haven't got all fucking day. You need to hurry up now. You're not talking about what's important at all. But isn't every little moment in a man's life that brings him to his climax important? No, it's not. If I killed my wife today, the contents of my lunch from three years ago are not important as to why I did it. Could be. I didn't fucking kill her anyway. So, I guess I could tell you about the last time I saw her? Please. Okay, well, we're only talking about a week ago now. At this point, I hadn't seen her for three years. The longest and most painful three years of my life, if I can be frank with you. I mean, we only split up because we knew each other so well. We were basically the same person. When we were together, we were basically alone. We could have been apart. It would have made no difference. We added nothing to each other's lives. That's what I thought then, but only looking back, I realized she was my entire life. She didn't add anything. She was the whole thing. Either way, we figured we may as well actually be alone instead of just feeling alone in each other's company. So that's what happened. She went to Greece or something, or at least she ended up there somehow, and I stayed right here in London. The hotel had long since fired me at this point. While we were together, I could never bring myself to leave her. I depended on her, so I never showed up to work. I didn't call, didn't apologize, I just disappeared. And after she left, I was out of a job, but I had a little money and no desire to work. So I stayed at home, alone. I hadn't heard from her since she blankly told me one night. I'm leaving. Goodbye. So you're saying she fled from you too? Yup. She walked right out the door. I didn't even try to stop her. I let her leave. I knew it was coming and at that time I just didn't care. I couldn't help but laugh when I heard a suitcase rolling away outside. The battered suitcase of my future leaving me battered and lost to rot in the past. So this brings us to last week. Over the years she was gone, I'd grown to despise her. I would torture myself for nights on end, sitting alone and miserable in my flat, thinking about her with other men 
her lips on someone else's, her laughing with somebody else, her making someone else feel the way she made me feel the first time we met. I hated it. I hated her. I hated myself. I mean, fuck. I hated myself for hating her. I hated myself for being such a fool for her. I hated... You hated... What? You were expressing your hatred for someone, but you never finished your sentence. Oh. Sorry. Um, ah, uh, sorry. I hated... her. And yet, I couldn't stop thinking about her. I carried this weight of bitterness with me in every moment of silence, in every moment of reality, when... I couldn't lose myself in the world of some author who'd been dead for a hundred years. I kept waiting to hear her turn her key in the lock and come back to me. I tortured myself. Like, I really, I really did. Replaying everything we ever did together, imagining everything we could have ever done together. Even in her absence, she was still my whole fucking life and I couldn't fucking change it. Even though I wanted to. So fucking bad <sighs> so yeah sorry last week I was heading home after a trip to the corner shop as I got back to my front door I couldn't believe it there she was standing there hi Joe it was like a scene out of Don't Look Now or something she was just there, the goal of my mind materialized, right in front of me. She had no bags, no suitcase, nothing. I instantly, instantly felt that fear she instilled in me on that first night. I hadn't felt it for so long. As I saw her, all the shame and love and torment that I'd been trying to keep down for so long just came out. I was so bitter. I was so fucking resentful. I really, really didn't want her to see me like that. To see that she had won. I could barely even look at her. My only line of defense was indifference. I treated her like she wasn't there. Like some sort of irritating inconvenience. She wanted a lover's reunion. It was obvious. I mean, so did I, but there wasn't a chance in hell I was gonna let her have it. I wanted us both to be as miserable as I had been for so long. I was vicious. I was spiteful. I was like a dog kept in a cage, poked at for its entire life. Anyway, I let her in. She told me about how she had ended up in Greece and even got married. How she was really in love with the guy at first until she inevitably fled. He was the most beautiful man I have ever seen. Big nose, curly hair, handsome and kind. He knew how to have fun. He knew how to enjoy life. He knew how to laugh, he knew how to dance. But then he lost his job and he started drinking. After that, he didn't laugh. He didn't dance. He didn't sing, he 
didn't even go outside. He just sat there and made himself furious. His eyes were yellow, his cheeks had sunk. All he did was sit there twisting his thoughts around in his head until they became disturbed. Distorted and, honest to God, Joe, false. She showed me the bruises on her arms. And, and what? Am I supposed to care? Why didn't you stop me when I left, Joe? Why? Why did you leave? I'd better answer the same. Why did you come here? Why must you insist on digging up the past just to find some consolation of your own ruined life? You made your mistakes. Grow up, deal with them, and leave me the hell out of it. I was really talking to myself. Joe, th this is no way to live. Too many good people live like this. I can't understand why. Controlled and flagellated by your own mind. What is the point of anything if this is all that life turns out to be? Just one sorrow after another. Who? Me. No. Me. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't care. If that's how you feel, why do you go on living at all? Go be like your bloody Sylvia already and leave me to the sea where I belong. I was so fucking cruel, you know, evil. I can't for the life of me figure out why I would ever say such horrible things. She was the only person that made me feel real. And I said those things to her. Why would I say that? Why did I do it? Is that how you really feel about me, Joe? I don't feel anything for you. No, not anymore. Actually, that's a lie. You make me feel irritated, impatient. You make me want to know when you'll hurry up and leave. Joe, I don't know why you're being like this. I never did anything to you. was two days after that on a voicemail. She told me how she wished I would have taken her back, how much it had hurt her, how I'd been so cruel and how I needn't worry about her bothering me ever again. And then one day after that, you and your friends are knocking down my door with your incessant questions. You ask so many questions and you just, you just don't want to hear the answer. You say you do, but when you hear it, you don't even listen. Well, you must understand our suspicion, Mr. Walsh. For one, there is no record of this voicemail. There is no evidence to back up anything you have said to me or to any of my colleagues. When we found her body, she had already been dead for at least four years. We know it wasn't suicide. Her body was in an awful condition. Her body was covered in bruises. Her skull cracked, blunt force trauma to the head. Her jaw broken, cheekbones broken, neck 
broken. She had stab wounds in the palms of her hands, the soles of her feet, and all around her thighs and her waist. For God's sake, Mr. Watts, she wasn't murdered. She was pillaged, gutted, robbed of everything that made her recognizably human. Yes, we found her in the river, but she was dead long before she ever made it to the water. All we know for sure is she left your bar at 10 that night and hasn't been seen alive since. I, I, I don't know about any Fine. Have it your way. No. Shall we go over this one more time?